Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is a special message from Pastor Joseph Ferno, Student Ministries Pastor here at Community Church. Thanks for joining us, and without further ado, here's Pastor Joseph. Today, instead of a traditional message, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, you see me up here, so how many of you guys are surprised that something a little different is happening today? Uh, no one raised their hand. Or what? Okay, you're students. You get me every week, uh, right? Uh, but no, I'm excited. Well, at one point, I'm going to have to do exactly what you expect so that it comes off across unexpected. Uh, if that makes sense. So we'll do that. But today is not that day. Instead of doing a normal sermon, I'm actually going to just be reciting the book of Ephesians for you as the message, as God's message to you today. And I'm really excited to do that. And, and it's been an amazing uh, process getting ready for this for me. And that kind of started uh, a couple months ago when I really began looking into more uh, the value of the public reading of scripture. And looking at the, the early church, you know, the early church, this is what they would do. Their gatherings would have been centered around the public reading of scripture, of the letters from Paul, from Peter, from the other apostles. And when they were to receive a letter from one of the apostles, they would read it aloud to their congregation, in part because the majority of people were illiterate. And if it wasn't read aloud, then it wouldn't be accessible to everyone. After reading it, they would copy it down and then they would send those copies out to other nearby churches and those churches would read the word aloud. And that's how the word of God was transmitted. That's how it was shared with the people. And so I'm excited to kind of go back to our connections to the early church, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets in the early church and do in some ways what they would have done. And part of the reason why I started looking at that type of thing is because we have some similarities uh, in youth culture today as the early church did. You know, uh, not that our culture is illiterate, but that young people, generally speaking, compared to generations prior, do not read as much. It is uh, more and more rare to find a young person who is reading for pleasure who's reading out of enjoyment, who's reading when they don't have to for school or a project or something in that realm. And so for me to then take the Bible to students and to say, hey, like, here's this book that's God's word that's super important for you, but is probably a lot harder to understand than the average book that you're being told you have to read, like read it and access God's word in that way. That's, that's a challenge. And so in youth group, we've started public, publicly reading aloud larger sections of scripture in order to help make it accessible to our students. And that's actually been a really, really cool experience, seeing students see scripture from a more of a bird's eye, big picture view and say, hey, look, that was so cool. I, I noticed this that I hadn't seen before. Or, you know, I've heard the creation story, but I've never heard the whole three chapters read out loud before. So I saw things that, I, that were missed, that, were, that weren't covered before. And so that's, that's been really cool. And so today we're gonna read the book of Ephesians. And it was written to a very specific people at a very specific time, but it also has so much value for us today. You'll see things like mention of specific people like Tychicus, or you'll hear about Paul's specific circumstances that he was in at that time. But even those things have value for us as believers today because they show us the heart of the people who are following Jesus. And it shows us how they interacted with one another. 
And every single word of the Bible is God's word and all of it is there intentionally. You know, another thing that I experience oftentimes with our students or even with other members of the church is people who come up and say, hey, I've never really heard from God. I've never heard him speak. How do I know the will of God? How do I hear God's voice in my life? And my response is is always along the lines of, you may not have heard him audibly, but you hear God speak all the time. If you have read your Bible, you have heard God speak because it is his word. And that is certainly true as we hear Ephesians today. Because it was written in a different time and context though, I wanna clarify a couple of things so that it can be accessible to you in our age today. And the first is just one simple definition. We're gonna see Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit talk a lot about Gentiles today. And while many of you are probably familiar with the term Gentiles, others of you may not be. And so Gentiles is simply a word that means not Jewish. And that is important because prior to Jesus, his death, resurrection, and ascension, in order to be a part of God's people, you had to be Jewish. And so if you weren't ethnically Jew, you had to practice Judaism. You had to do things like circumcision in order to be one of God's people. And one of the things that God is saying through Paul in the book of Ephesians is that is no longer a a qualifier, that Jews and Gentiles both share in the good news of the gospel. And so when you hear Gentiles, when you see that brought up, know that it just means not Jewish. It's most of us here, right? Secondly, I want to clarify a couple of things. First, we're going to be reading out of uh, the NLT, New Living Translation version. You have ESV in your seatbacks. They're very similar translations, but NLT just uses a little bit simpler, more modern language. And so it's going to really help us to understand it and hear it today. I do encourage you, you have a note sheet. I know it's not a traditional sermon, but I still encourage you to take notes to remember that that this is God's word. He is speaking to you and you can base your life and your faith off of what is said. Don't tune out just because it's not what you're used to, but engage with what God has to say for you this morning. Don't get caught up in the weeds, but enjoy the beauty of the big picture. One of the benefits for me as I prepared for this was reading all of Ephesians together from start to finish many, many times. In fact, uh, what I was reading off of was Ephesians printed out with all of the chapters and verses and subheadings removed because those were all added later. They weren't written by Paul. They were added later so that we can reference things more easily. So we can find certain verses or certain sentences more easily, but they're not a part of the original text, right? Paul's letter was meant to be read as a whole. And so, yes, there is so much value in us studying God's word, meditating on it, taking a chapter or two or a few verses at a time and really diving in and studying them. There's also so much value in seeing it as a complete work. And that's what we want to do today. And we're not going to go verse by verse and explain things. And so you might be tempted to kind of catch on to a word or a sentence and, and get caught in the weeds and be like, oh man, that's weird. I have a question about that or I don't fully understand that. Don't get distracted by that. Focus on the overarching message that God is sharing. 
to help you do that, I want to tell you that the book of Ephesians is organized into two halves. The first half, God, through Paul, is telling us the truth of the gospel, and he is explaining to us how Gentiles are now a part of that reality, that we have access to God through the truth of Jesus Christ. In the second half of the book, he makes a switch, and he begins to tell us how that truth impacts our own lives, how it impacts how we live and our relationships today. And so be aware, be looking for that switch, that shift where he goes from the truth of the gospel to how to apply it. Let me pray and then we will dive in. God, we are so grateful to be here this morning. This is a privilege to get to hear from you, to get to worship you. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for speaking to us. And I pray that our hearts would be softened, mine included, that as we hear your words today, that they wouldn't just enter our ears, but they would enter our hearts, that they would sink deep and impact us in how we live as we leave this place. In your name I pray, amen. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. Even before he made the world, God chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which was to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan, that at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we who are Jews, who are the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he purchased us by, to be his own people. 
He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. And ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts would be so flooded with light that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and has seated him in the heavenly realms at the place of honor at God's right hand. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he's made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. You were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit that is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our own very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you can be saved. For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown for all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You cannot take any credit for this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called the uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were exiled from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. 
You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but you have been made near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He has united Jews and Gentiles into one people when by his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Together as one body. He did this by ending the system of the law and the commandments. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near to him. Now all of us can come to the Father through him by the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer slaves or strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Though through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And when I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ for the benefit of you Gentiles, as assuming, by the way, that you know that God gave me a special responsibility of extending his grace to the Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into the plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. This is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. I am the least deserving of all of God's people. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept a secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in all its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is his eternal plan, which was carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. 
When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down deeper into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how long and how high and how wide and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is far too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now to God, all glory to him who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could think to ask or imagine. Glory to him in the church and in Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because you are God's family. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord. There is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is also the one who ascended higher than the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until uh, we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us and tell us lies that are so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice all kind of impurity. But this isn't what you have learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. We're all parts of the same body. Don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and give generously to others in need. Don't use any foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words would be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you would be saved for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Jesus Christ forgave you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For you were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For the light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, 
but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do. Don't be drunk on wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing praise and hymns and psalms and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to him for everything God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates their own body, but feeds it and takes care of it, just as Christ cares for the church. We are all members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united and become one. This is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one so again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband children obey your parents you belong to the Lord this is the right thing to do honor your father and mother This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good that we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, Treat your slaves the same way. Do not threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master and he has no favorites. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentile alike. I am in chains now, still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, I'm sending Tychicus, who will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent them to you for this reason, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you. Dear brothers and sisters, and may God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love and faithfulness. May God's grace eternally be upon you and all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.